Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 122. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm going to talk about your resources, why your money management matters. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine who ran track while he was in high school. And when he was at his fastest, he could run a mile in about four minutes, 30 seconds, which is unimaginable. But not only was he naturally fast, he learned to increase his speed by doing something interesting that his coach asked him to do. He would wear a parachute during practice in order to build stamina and speed. I was thinking about this the other day when I was writing some ideas down about the importance of managing our finances or resources, because I believe that managing your resources can be like wearing a parachute. If you're running with a lot of debt, for instance, you may feel the pull and the weight of trying to move ahead with life with a lot of resistance. But if you have found a level of financial security, you may see your money as a kind of parachute that helps you land safely when needed. But I believe that for most people, money seems to act both ways. In some ways, it's a tension for us, and in other ways, it creates freedoms. When my wife and I first finished college, we began our married life with a lot of college loan debt. And now that I'm older, I realize that we were not alone. Just recently, for instance, the Federal Reserve announced that outstanding student debt for U.S. residents has now topped $1.5 trillion. So the idea of facing tension in finances is a pretty common occurrence among many Americans. In our early marriage, we discovered some really great resources that I would highly recommend by two authors, one named Ron Blue, who has a website called MasterYourMoney.com, and Dave Ramsey, whose Financial Peace University and other literature has helped millions of people that have gone through his courses. But thankfully, with those resources and support from other people we knew, and with a lot of discipline and planning, we were able to pay down our debt, save for emergencies, make a down payment for our first home, and prepare for our future But over the years, and we've been married for 25 now, we've still had times when the demands on our money required us to refocus or relearn some important priorities and lessons. So this week, I want to talk to you as a leader about why your money management matters. And as I've been going through a series of reflections for education leaders, I've been touching on specific areas of our lives that when we focus, we can often find greater balance or at least greater understanding of places that we need to continue to grow and how it affects the way that we lead others. Now, I realize that money is one of those areas in life that most people do not like to talk about publicly. It's kind of like politics or religion. You might find it uncomfortable to talk about your own finances, but if you are willing to talk about your finances or willing to focus on them as a priority, I do believe that it influences the way that you think and the way that you live. So how does your personal management of resources influence your own leadership? Well, obviously, when you are responsible for things like school budgets or managing 
accounts, you are practicing strong accountability and responsibility if you're doing your job well. But in today's conversation, I want to focus on how your own personal finances and your mindset about managing resources can influence outcomes for you in your leadership and in your life. So here are four ways that I believe your attitude and practice with money matters. Number one, your money management allows you freedom or lack of it in your career choices. Early in my education career, I was talking to a friend about how I was struggling with leadership and support in my school, and I was unsure of what to do next. I no longer felt like I could thrive in the work environment that I had been in for years. And my friend patiently listened to my struggles. And then he said, Will, you don't live in a communist country. If there's a better opportunity for you out there, go for it. Now, that simple statement was a wake-up call for me to remember that I had a choice. But during that discussion, I also realized that I had the freedom to look at options also because of how my wife and I had been managing our personal finances. By living within our means and saving for future expenses, we had some freedom and perspective to look at options without fear. I know some people, for instance, worry about their employers knowing if they're considering other options. And thankfully, I've never worked in an environment like that. But even if I did, I still believe that a healthy practice in money management allows for you to have a more peaceful perspective when you're making important career choices. The other day, for instance, I was listening to a story of a man who lives in an economically depressed area of his city. He gave up a job making $9 an hour in order to work for a better company making $14 an hour. And the catch was that he had a new commute to get to this new job. It was 15 miles across town. And because he could only take public transportation, he was commuting three hours to work in the morning, three hours home at night. So in essence, he was giving up six hours of travel time and only sleeping four hours a night to make an additional $32 a day. Now, I know his situation was probably more complicated than I could understand, but here's the perspective I had while listening to the story. Sometimes it's possible to be unnecessarily burdened by your financial decisions when you're so overwhelmed by circumstances that you can't see the options in front of you. For instance, if this same man could have found part-time work at the original $9 an hour for just four more hours a day, he could have earned an additional $36 a day. He could have stayed closer to home and gotten more sleep and earned more money. Now, obviously, I'm summarizing a very complicated situation for someone who I don't know. But if you choose your careers based on the stresses and anxieties of your finances, sometimes you're limiting yourself on what options exist because you're not able to rise above the stress to see clearly. But when you are practicing good management of your resources, you often have more flexibility and choice when you're considering the options before you. I know sometimes those things are easily within our grasp and sometimes they're not. But your money management does allow you the freedom or lack of freedom sometimes to make stronger career choices. So number two, your money management helps you to set goals for your time and your energy. Five years ago, I was looking at my growing family and anticipating my oldest daughter preparing for college. And looking ahead, I could see that I would need to increase my income potential. And unlike many of my peers, I was not interested in becoming a school superintendent. No offense to all my friends who are, but I love being a principal. But when I looked at my financial landscape, I, I knew I had a choice. I could despair or I could invest my time towards expanding my opportunities. Now, I love to write and I wanted to share stories and lessons with other school leaders 
So I began dedicating time, usually in the evenings or very early in the mornings, to writing at least 500 words a week to share his blog posts. And over those five years, I've written two books. I have a weekly podcast. And that commitment of time has also influenced my career opportunities. When I think back to that process five years ago, here's what else was going on. The economy was in recession. Unemployment was at an all-time high. And the prospects of seeing any raise in my school salary at the time were unrealistic for the short term. But I also looked at that landscape and decided instead of looking at all of those obstacles to look at what I could control. And what I could control was my time and my energy. Now, I realize that you face challenges that may be uniquely different in mind because of whatever economy you live in, whatever political situation you're in, whatever social dynamics surround you. But you have the opportunity to plan for how you manage your resources by how you invest your time. And so I believe that your money management, the way that you manage money can help you set more realistic goals for your time and your energy. When you have that healthy perspective, you can see where do you need to grow and then invest your time and energy in that direction. So number two, money management helps you set strong goals with your time and energy. Number three, your money management reminds you that your resources are not your own. They are temporary and they're a gift. Think of it this way. No one is really self-sufficient. Even the most successful and wealthy individuals at some point have had to exchange their time and effort for the rewards that they're enjoying. And that's how money typically works. You create something of value and others are willing to exchange something of value for it. And if your work creates value, you are therefore going to be earning income for it. And even the most successful persons know that they will eventually lose their ability to produce. That means that your money and your possessions are ultimately temporary. And as one of my old country music favorites, Ricky Skaggs, once saying, you can't take it with you when you go. Let me tell you a quick story. Years ago, I, I, I heard this story about a preacher who was asked to lunch by a wealthy landowner. And during that meal, the landowner expressed his disagreement with a sermon that he had heard from the preacher about God owning everything. And the preacher politely listened, but did not argue back. And after lunch, the man took the preacher on a long drive across acres of pastures and fields. And at the top of a hill overlooking his property, the landowner said, I have worked my whole life to acquire this. And how can you tell me that I don't really own it? Well, the preacher was silent for a while. And then he finally replied, can you ask me that question again in a hundred years? Whatever resources that you have, you are really only the manager of the possessions that you will someday see someone else own when you're gone. And we face a danger if we turn our possessions into symbols of self-identity or self-worth. But when we realize that everything that we have is temporary, that we are only temporarily in charge of it, it helps us to appreciate it more and it causes us to realize its value of how we use it and what it's really worth. And the same mindset helps us whether we're talking about income or relationships or talents or knowledge, whatever resources you've been given, you're missing out on their greatest value if you don't understand that they really are not yours ultimately. And that leads to my last point, number four. Your money management gives you context for your work and your calling. I believe it's important to remember why you work and why you manage resources. Your resources are best put to use when you're helping others. And generosity is not just measured by how much money you give. 
a few years ago, my family faced a number of emergencies that became bigger burdens than we can manage on our own. And during that time, my son Jack was diagnosed with a rare disease that hospitalized him for two weeks. And as he was recovering, it was Halloween, and we planned to miss out on the festivities that year because of his hospitalization. Unknown to us, a friend of ours posted a message on Facebook Halloween morning that said, there is a boy at St. Francis Hospital, room 329, who needs to celebrate Halloween today. Don't disappoint him. And soon, friends and even people we didn't know began to come by his room one after the next with gifts, candy, video games, treats. And Jack was just beaming, so excited to meet each person. And by the end of the day, every table, every counter, every windowsill in that room was covered with bags of gifts. We still talk about that Halloween as a family. And not only were we facing a health crisis, but we were facing some difficulties that were beyond our control financially. There were hospital expenses not covered by insurance. And as we talked to hospital staff, they encouraged us to submit a letter requesting that the hospital assist us. And so we did. And a few weeks later, the hospital sent us a letter back explaining that they had forgiven all of Jack's remaining hospital bills for that stay. When I think back to that time, it's humbling to remember how desperately we needed emotional support, but also how much we needed financial support. And as fiercely independent as most of us are, it's a good reminder when we're the recipients of generosity that we, in turn, can give and support those around us. You know, in the end, the greatest benefit of wisely managing your resources is your ability to help others when they go through tough times. So let's wrap this up. There's another story that I love about parachutes. One day at my school office, I found a handwritten card in my mailbox from a senior student telling me, thank you for quote unquote, packing her parachute. And I was curious when I saw inside the envelope, a cutout piece of parachute cloth and a folded up copy of an excerpt, a story by a man named Charlie Plum. And this is how it reads. And I'm just going to read you um, this excerpt. And you can find this at Charlie Plum's website at charlieplum.com if you want to see a copy of this story. But I, I love the story so much. I'm just going to read it exactly as I read the copy that was given to me. Quote, recently I was sitting in a restaurant in Kansas City. A man about two tables away kept looking at me. I didn't recognize him. A few minutes into our meal, he stood up and walked over to my table, looked down at me, pointed his finger in my face and said, you're Captain Plum. I looked up and said, yes, sir, I'm Captain Plum. He said, you flew jet flighters in Vietnam. You were on the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk and you were shot down. You parachuted into enemy hands and spent six years as a prisoner of war. I said, how in the world did you know all that? And he replied, because I packed your parachute. I was speechless. I staggered to my feet, held out a very grateful hand of thanks. This guy came up with just the proper words. He grabbed my hand, he pumped my arm and said, I guess it worked. Yes, sir, indeed it did. I said, I must tell you, I've said a lot of prayers of thanks for your nimble fingers, but I never thought I'd have the opportunity to express my gratitude in person. He said, were all the panels there? Well, yes, sir, I must shoot straight with you. I said, of the 18 panels that were supposed to be in that parachute, I had 15 good ones. Three were torn, but it wasn't your fault, it was mine. I jumped out of that jet fighter at a height rate of speed close to the ground and that's what tore the panel in the chute. It wasn't the way you packed it. Let me ask you a question, I said. Do you keep track of all the parachutes you pack? 
No, he responded. It's enough gratification for me just to know that I've served. And then Charlie Plum continues. I didn't get much sleep that night. I kept thinking about that man. I kept wondering what he might have looked like in a Navy uniform. A Dixie cup hat, a bib in the back, and bell-bottom trousers. I wondered how many times I might have passed him on board the Kitty Hawk. I wondered how many times I might have seen him and not said, good morning, how are you, or anything, because you see, I was a fighter pilot, and he was just a sailor. How many hours did he spend on that long wooden table in the bowels of that ship, weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of those chutes? I could have cared less until one day my parachute came along and he packed it for me. So the philosophical question here is this, Charlie Plum ends, how is your parachute packing coming along? Who looks to you for strength in times of need? And perhaps more importantly, who are the special people in your life who provide you the encouragement you need when the chips are down? Perhaps it's time right now to give those people a call and tell them, thank you for packing your parachute, end quote. I want to wrap up today's conversation by saying this. First of all, in case you haven't been reminded lately, thank you for packing parachutes. And as you look at the way you manage your time and your money, I don't want you to feel guilty, but I want you to remember this, that your resources are simply commodities that you've been given. And when you manage them well, you have more freedom in your choices. You have more intentionality with your time. You have more perspective in your work. And then you have the potential for more generosity towards others. And as a result, you have the opportunity to keep packing parachutes for others and the ability to recognize it when others are packing yours. So now it's your turn. What is one way that you can rethink the way that you're managing your resources right now, whether that's money or time or energy? What is one small way that you can use those resources to brighten someone's day or lighten their load? And when is the last time that you've paused to thank someone for the way that they've given you their time and help? Because as others helping you, hopefully you're managing your resources so that you can help others. Because what you do, even with your money, matters. I hope that's been helpful. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my resources at my website at williamdparker.com. If you want to stay connected on social media, you can find me at Twitter and my handle at WilliamDP or Instagram at William underscore D underscore Parker. Or you can reach out to me by email at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for the work that you do serving schools. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing what matters.